Hello, Lewis fans, and welcome to the Mere C.S. Lewis podcast. My name is Thornton. And my name is Andrew, and we are two brothers who enjoy C.S. Lewis and want to take themselves and others on a journey through his writings. So, everyone, Andrew and I went and saw the opening night premiere of The Horse and His Boy. Yeah, we did. Yeah, which is playing at the Museum of the Bible January 20th through March 4th. And we just wanted to just do a recap episode of it. Just talk about the, the adaptation, the uh, little bit of the acting, the, the visuals, and and then also just do some light discussion on, on the story itself. So yeah. we I mean, we were so excited about this. We literally went last night, then came back, spent the night, and got up, and now we're in, in the basement doing it. So the audio may be a little different than normal, but it's because... We're just, we, we we are so excited to do this podcast. Yeah, and we've been looking forward to this ever since we got to meet Nicole and Justin and um, to do the Horse and His Boy preview. And so we've been uh, itching to for last night, and it did not disappoint. Not even a little bit. Yeah, so and uh, Andrew, what, so I guess Andrew has never read The Horse and His Boy, and I, it is my favorite Chronicle of Narnia book, so I've read it several times. So it's uh it's interesting to hear your thoughts, Andrew, on on the on on the story and and everything. So just give give me your your initial thoughts. Yeah. So without spoilers, because um, I or light I, maybe very light spoilers. Yeah, light spoilers. I, ideally, you know, we 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 don't spoil it because eventually we'll do it as a as a, a team in the future. <clears throat> but I thought it was. I mean, I love the story. I thought. Um, that I, I will say I, I tend to read C.S. Lewis looking for the message. Mm-hmm. Um, like, whereas like, I guess with Tolkien or maybe some other writers, it's less about the message where with C.S. Lewis, I tend to, to feel. Yeah, you, you, were, you were talking about how you kept viewing it as like an allegory. Yeah, very yeah. much an allegory for the Christian walk, Christian yeah. sanctification. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk to you more about that later, sure. but First, let me just ask you, as someone who, who's not only not read The Horse and His Boy, but who hasn't read any Narnia yet, right? were you able to, I guess, understand what was going on and, and appreciate uh, The Horse and His Boy and just appreciate the way they, they adapted it? I, I mean, definitely. I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. There are a handful of times where I got a little lost with, like, when they would talk about different places or people. Like, I... I I wasn't sure if Tisrock was a person or a place at times, um, and and sometimes I, I I didn't exactly know what land was which, what was the good one and the mm. bad one, and <clears throat> I guess with the exception of Narnia, like you know, like that one's the good one. Yeah. Um, I guess by the in this book it yeah. is at least. Yeah, we were talking about how it would have been interesting or, or fun had they had a map of of Narnia and Arkinland and uh, Kalorman and right. out in the lobby and stuff. But they they did have a lot of cool things to to look at out sure. in the lobby. They um they had a, an exhibit of uh, Narnia movie memorabilia, which was incredible. Yeah, it was so cool to be able to walk inside the the wardrobe from uh from the films. Yeah, and take some pictures. Uh, w- play with uh, the swords from um, i'm i have claimed that sword as my own and i'm just <clears throat> allowing them to take care of it and, and what and which sword is that andrew that is the sword that the centaur used in uh <clears throat> in the movie it's like a, this massive two-handed sword it's literally so big that like in the picture you can't even fit all of it mm-hmm. um 
it's so I mean it's massive. Yeah. So that's what I will be using going into battle from now on. Yeah, and it and it like it wasn't like a real sword that you could kill people with, but it was. Well, it depends on how hard you try. It, it depends on how hard you try, but it it was uh it was not foam either. No, it was not. It was it was <clears throat> impressive to see the the detail that uh, went into all all the props. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean all of it. It yep. was. Yeah, and if you go onto our our Twitter page, we'll we'll be posting the the some of the photos. Um, um, over the next couple of days, yeah. So, so that you all can see see what all they have. But it was it was really impressive, and not just the memorabilia from the the recent movies, but also uh, some memorabilia from the old BBC yeah. films, and also from uh, Shadowlands. So it's uh, it was really cool to just um, be able to touch it and see yeah. it and experience well, it right before the the play. They had the um, the like when Mister Tumnus turned to stone. Yeah, they had and, that statue. <clears throat> they had that statue. That was super cool. Yeah. So, but I guess getting back to the play. So, so I, I, it. So having read it, like I said, my it was it being my favorite uh, Narnia book. I will say it was so faithful to mm-hmm. to the source material, like almost line for line. And it was. I think so, it was pretty pretty it, much line. Yeah, for line. it was pretty much line for line, and it was so cool to just see these things that you ha- you have in your mind's eye but to see someone else see a professional's uh realization of it and it and it did not disappoint it was immersive for sure it was very immersive and i just yeah getting to like some of the visual effects the visual effects were incredible like yeah. i the the horses brie and win were uh, for being puppets i do not know how they could have made it any better yeah. Yeah. any more lifelike any more uh, like you said, Andrew, just immersive. Just you were able to really understand and uh, take them seriously as characters yeah. and as horses. A hundred percent. I mean, even like, and and each of the horses were, um, and Aslan were manned by three people. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> you had like one person in the back working the back two feet, and you know one person in the front working the front two feet. But they would like together like go up and down to like mimic the breathing. Yep. And uh, and then one guy, you know, dealt with the like head and mm. neck, and then um, the ears. And yep. That was that was the part where they had talked about how horses show their emotion through their ears. Yeah, in the in the episode we did with uh, Nicole and Justin, Justin mentioned how the ears are what they thought really uh, showed, yeah, like you said, a horse's emotion where yeah. where they were paying attention to, and right, and 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 a. Not being able to do facial expressions, I mean, the ears essentially did that for them. Yeah, the and Justin, yeah, was right on the money. hundred percent. Yeah, the ears certainly brought the the animal to life, and and Justin was one of the the puppeteers for uh, for Bree. Yeah. And yeah, so the 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 puppeteers were were actors too, and it like right, hundred like, percent. Yeah, and like you said, it was just even more impressive that they had to work as as a team, right? Um, to just bring the three people bringing one character to life i mean four really because none of the three people were voicing the horses either. oh that's true yeah because they they had the the lines recorded and so someone up in the sound booth would play the lines um as they sort of thought it was appropriate for, for right the, for the cadence of that scene yeah so it yeah so you're right yeah it was there was three people physically moving the animal and then a fourth one uh, in the the sound box, uh, playing the playing the the lines, and so it was, yeah, it was incredible and very impressive to see how they all worked in concert with each other. And one thing, and not just that, but like one thing I didn't really think about until Nicole had said it afterward, 
um, was when you move around a stage, there's so much natural movement and then counter movement that like, I guess when you're just a person, like if someone starts moving towards you and you realize they need a space, mm-hmm. you then move away. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you're this massive horse to be able to, you know, move away as someone is moving towards you on a small stage with another massive horse and props and settings. And mm-hmm. I mean, just the counter movement was, was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The more we learned about it and the more the layers were pulled back for us on what went into producing, uh, or the production, it is just more and more impressive, uh, everything that they did. Yeah. So yeah, we, we will, and we can keep talking about the, the visual effects and ambiance. Like I said, there are a few more things I want to say, but one to get back to the story. And like I said, it was, it was very, uh, very faithful to the source material, which was a lot of fun. Well, they had, uh, they had mentioned how for dialogue, they just took what the was written in the book. And mm-hmm. if there was dialogue in the book, they said the dialogue out loud. Yep. So it wasn't like they were, you know, adjusting it. Or I mean, I guess yep. the only adjustments they would make is like, sometimes they would show things. Um, I, I guess like some, yeah, the exposition. Yeah, so, and that and and I guess that that was the next thing I wanted to yeah, segue to, and so which is a good point, Andrew. That even though it is faithful, they interpreted it in a really cool way when, the, especially when they were doing the exposition. So, for example, when the yeah, Arvorus, um, when she was talking about her story or telling her story to Bree and Shasta, they actually acted out the. Um, the story like a flashback. Yeah, a story like a flashback, which yeah. really, which really brought it to life and was really cool. And 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 something that we we kept talking about last night on the drive home that we haven't mentioned yet is how the show is really fast paced. Yeah. So it, it you are not going to be bored uh, watching it. There there are not a lot of um, monologues and and so it is they keep it going at a uh, fast pace and the the show is about three three hours uh with a, a 15 minute intermission right and those three hours zoom by oh for sure yeah with how with how quick it is and like i guess the the one big monologue i'm thinking of is when aslan's talking yeah and uh even then they're showing that as a flashback as well yeah so like you're still very much engaged but i mean and we were talking about this like um one of the one of the important things is like making sure we appreciate what plays have to offer as plays and like they're not books. So mm-hmm. some things are meant for books in, in terms of like pacing and, um, and taking a breath at times. Whereas like with a play, you know, you, you just got to appreciate what, what the play brings to the table. And yeah. yeah. Like, like we've said before, it was very immersive with the, the music and the visuals yeah. and just seeing the, uh, the actors bring the characters to life. Yeah. It is, uh, yeah, very, uh, engrossing for sure. And, and they had a lot to get through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was impressive that they like, well, like we said, they were faithful. They did not cut out any characters or scenes really. And Mm-mm. they even added some yeah. and just sort of, uh, rounding out some of, of Shasta's backstory right. uh, with, with a, with a fun little, uh, action adventure prologue. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, um, yeah, they add, a, um, not, they don't add anything to the story, but they, 
they in, interpret some of the things that Lewis implies. Right. Which, yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Or or is told in in exposition at yeah. different points. So it was it was a lot of fun and uh, would definitely go back and and see it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The um, I I think that it was it was really good in terms of like what you know for especially if you're already a fan of mm-hmm. the book um then like you get to see you know everything that, that you were hoping to see mm-hmm. um and then as someone who hasn't read the book um like i said with the exception of i guess some like places and they said it it's just i guess it's also a function of fantasy like if i'm like oh, okay Arkenland. I've never heard of that before. Like, is that a place? Is that a person? I guess mm-hmm. it has land at the end, right? But then Tisrock, is that a place? Is that a person? Mm-hmm. Sometimes with fantasy, it, it can be tough to know what a what the proper nouns are. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, uh, I mean, it was just, it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I had debate with myself, should I reread it right beforehand or, uh, or just, because I had one thing, I've read it in, in a year or two, or should I just, just enjoy it uh, and sort of rediscover it? And yeah, I was glad that I didn't reread it um, because there were some things like those, some finer points of, of the story that I had forgotten. And so it was fun to just sort of, uh, like I said, rediscover it yeah. uh, through the play. It was kind of funny, like on the way home, we were talking and, and Thornton was like, well, there was this, this, or I don't remember that. And then it, it turns out the play was more faithful than Thornton's memory. I know, it. yeah. So I, yeah. I had misremembered some things. So it was, yeah, I'm glad that I didn't reread it because, yeah, the play uh, re-instructed me. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, I guess talking a little bit about uh, the acting, like I, I, I enjoyed, like I said, all seeing all the actors bring the characters to life. And the, the two, I guess, main human characters, uh, Shasta and um, Erebus, she... Or they they both the actors who played them like I said really did well especially for their age Shasta being uh, the actor being thirteen and um, Erebus uh, the a- actress being fifteen and right. they definitely um, did not seem green. In, no, I mean in, they, they seemed in, to know what they were doing. They like they were confident. They were expressive. They I mean they did a they did a great job and mm-hmm. um, and especially I mean I guess it also helps capture like. That's I, I, roughly how old the the characters are. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and so you you really get a good glimpse into, like, what that would be like, rather than like some Disney Channel movies where you're watching a thirty year old play a sixteen year old, yeah. and you're like, yeah, like, these high schoolers, you know, look like you know GQ models. Yeah. So, it was. I mean, it definitely helps you know continue that immersion. Mm-hmm. So. It was, I mean, it was, it was phenomenal, um, all around the, some of the special effects they had, like these rigs where, you know, people could swing in and, yep. um, it was, yeah, as, yeah, we were talking about last night, it felt very cinematic. Very, yeah. Yeah. It felt like a, a movie, like an, uh, a real in life, um, movie. Yeah. They even were able to pull off some slow-mo parts that, that were pretty interesting and, yep. And yeah, the, like I said, it was very, very fast paced. It was like an act, an action movie. Yeah. With uh, everything that they had going on, and, and and as we mentioned, with the some of the the blocking challenges. Yeah. That they had, it's, it's just even more impressive with how how quick it went. Yeah, and uh, you know they had they had a lot just I guess on wheels, being able to roll it in and roll it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they and the the area they were using wasn't massive, so when they added in like trees and stuff, they really had to 
make the most of their space without it feeling cluttered. Mm-hmm. And I thought they pulled that off very, very well. Yeah. But yep. you want to get into the story itself? Well, yeah, there's just one more thing I wanted to mention. So we were lucky enough to uh, be able to speak with uh, some of the actors and, and producers of, of the of the play afterwards. And 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 they they very much, uh, as, as you heard Nicole and Justin mention in, in the last episode during the preview, they they view themselves as a ministry right and just wanted to underline that when we got to speak to them they were very forthright with why they were doing this uh yep. that that being for for god's glory and for the ministry and i obviously want to see the play do well and and, sure. and stuff but they were a very genuine it seemed to us with um their their faith and absolutely and and, and giving uh proper credit where it was due yeah yeah, so Andrew, let's so let's talk a little bit about the 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 story, and yeah, tell me what you were. I guess share with the listeners what you were sharing with me last night about your your theory. Yeah, so I mean, I guess it's one of those things where <clears throat> when you interpret art, I guess it's just kind of up for you to interpret. Mm-hmm. Might not be, have been the intended message, but it's mm-hmm. you can still receive the message nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really viewed the story as like. Um, the four main characters, uh, Shasta, um, Erevis, uh, Bree, and Wynn, as like their journey uh, as kind of a, an archetype for Christians like on their way to heaven, with Narnia being heaven. Now, in the Narnia universe, Narnia is not heaven. But mm-hmm. in just kind of in the confines of this story, they're in this place where all four of them are in some level of slavery, right? Shasta mm-hmm. being the most literal version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Erebus, you know, being married off to someone she doesn't want to marry to is a form of slavery as well. Um, and then, you know, hearing about this, the good news of Narnia and the good news of this place where they can be free mm-hmm. and their, you know, their adventure and their journey toward that place. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of talking through, you know, Bree having been a, a, um, a free horse in Narnia and then, uh, coming to what was it Arkenland or was it? Um, oh, it was Toshban. Toshban, you know, coming to Toshban as a, a young foal, um, but like still. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Bree coming to Kalorman. Kalorman, yeah, yeah. The, the country, yeah. Right. Sorry. So him coming to Kalorman as a young foal, um, and but like still remembering Narnia, mm-hmm. um, but kind of also feeling like a fraud on his way there. Mm-hmm. You know, when being the like mature Christian mm-hmm. who is you know, working, you know, like just guiding others on her way back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was going to go anyway, but, you know, then brings Erevis with her and then they meet up and, and she's kind of the, the moral compass and, um, or I guess Aslan's the moral compass, but she's like the maturity mm-hmm. of the group. And then, um, so I just viewed it as this journey toward heaven um, with each of them also encountering Aslan who obviously is the Christ figure mm-hmm. and having radical transformation or also, you know, with, I guess, when being like, Hey, well done, good and faithful servant, you know? And then the other ones still get that, like, Hey, I love you. You're awesome. Here's, yeah. They get that from Aslan. Right. They get that from Aslan, but then like also receiving sort of like a, Hey, here's where you need to yeah, improve, mature, mature, improve, right? But it's it's from a place of love. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of that Hebrews twelve passage where it says like, you know, 
uh, only a father disciplines mm. his sons. If you're if you're not disciplined, you're not a son mm-hmm. or or a daughter, right? Um, you know, so he you you really get to see all of that kind of at work. But I really viewed it as a a journey, a, a Christian's journey through life toward heaven. Mm-hmm. So it's uh like I said within the confines of Narnia, Narnia itself is not heaven. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I I I didn't see how how you you get there or how that's the broad broad strokes and I don't like as we were talking last I don't know if that was Lewis's main idea or message and I I don't know if the horse and his boy has a quote message the same way that I guess Lion Witch in the Wardrobe has a message or I know and Lion Witch in the Wardrobe isn't like a proper allegory but it it flirts with the idea right and I don't know if horse and the boy gets as close as as um is that but I can that being said I, I can see how the the math that you did yeah and and again it might also just be Lewis being the type of guy who sees you know the sort of storylines and sub subplots of life mm-hmm. and incorporates those things yep. into his writings mm-hmm. so it, it's it's the story of this group that parallels a story we have in life but mm-hmm. it might not he might he might just be saying hey i really enjoy how life tells this story yeah let me yeah. just incorporate that into what's going on here yeah so i asked you this question uh last night about i'll ask uh, again to see if you have any answers and, and i'd be interested in, in the listeners thoughts so the title is obviously the horse and his boy so the horse seems it's referring to brie uh, but Bree, all, all, albeit a, a main character, is not the main character. Uh, so, and so most of it's focused on Shasta and um, uh, Erevis. And so I'm just curious if you've if you have any other ideas or thoughts about why Lewis titled it the way he did, or was he just being cute? Um, so I did I did think about this, and I'm not even sure if after thinking more about it, I'll agree with this. But mm-hmm. something I was thinking about was I wonder if C.S. Lewis himself mm-hmm. resonated most with Bree. Mm-hmm. Being a war veteran mm-hmm. and all, probably having a lot of the same questions that, that Bree asks. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, Lewis had grew up in, in like a Christian home. and then, Right, and then falls yeah. away, but then, yeah. you know, is on his journey back. But yeah. And then also, but like, he's probably, like one of Bree's main things was like when he gets back to Narnia, is he still going to fit in? Is he mm. going, or is everyone going to know, like, mm. see him? Because Bree, his his main thing he deals with is shame. Mm. Um, and so he's he's dealing with the shame of having lived in a foreign land. Yeah. Um, and when he gets to Narnia, he wants to just be Narnian. He doesn't mm-hmm. want his tail to be too short. He doesn't want mm-hmm. to be rolling in the grass with the other talking horses not rolling in the grass. And, yeah. And I, it makes me wonder if C.S. Lewis kind of sees himself in Bree. Mm. And... Um, and maybe that's why he he titled yeah. it the way he did. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, there's some key differences. Like Bree, sure. Bree never doubted Aslan and never right. Da- that's like, true. That's yeah. True. So uh, yeah, I think there's some key differences, but I think there's also some interesting parallels now that you you mention it. Yeah, and and there are some some like things Bree would say that I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, C.S. Lewis probably has said something mm-hmm. 
similar, if yeah, not similar. exactly, to it. Yeah, it like in the very beginning, it was interesting to hear Bree when they were talking about the Tisrock, and everyone kept uh, responding with. Which, if you haven't read the book, that's like the the king of the foreign land. Yeah, the king of uh, Kalorman. Yeah, um, and it uh, and every time afterwards they say Tisrock, they they would um, say May he live forever, and it was interesting to hear Bree say like, why why do I say that? I know he won't live forever. I don't wish he would live forever. Right, and it just. I just thought it was interesting as like um, as a British man who in in the Brits uh, say a lot the um, uh, long live the king or long live the queen right and just uh, interesting just to hear uh, I guess a British story say like well why do we say that why should we say that right and and then challenging it but then later when when Shasta then says oh you don't need to say that anymore mm-hmm. Bree's like like be quiet like yeah. Like know know when you can speak speak that versus yeah. when you should probably just keep your mouth closed and mm-hmm. um, and then another one um, where he talks about um, having been in the war mm-hmm. right he's like you know I don't talk about the war stories here mm-hmm. I but when I get to Narnia I'd love to talk about the war stories from Narnia yeah um, as sort of like the talking about some of the spiritual battles that you conquer is, mm. you know, really awesome. But talking about actual physical warfare probably is best left untold. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I definitely could hear C.S. Lewis having said a lot of that in real life. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Mm. It would, yeah. It would be interesting to yeah, know in his, if in his letters or not, if he echoes some, uh, some similar sentiment. Now, what were you, can you tell for the listeners what you were telling me about, uh, I guess, your experience with Aslan uh, in the play? Oh, yeah. I mean, part of me wonders how much of this is baked into the character, just how well-written the character is. Um, but whenever Aslan was on stage, like, I I, I just got would, I would get hit by a wave of emotion. Mm. Um, and even, like, when he's going through Aslan's monologue to Shasta, I like I started tearing up because it, it definitely felt like Aslan was talking to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that again is probably being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I am seeing just how much Aslan parallels Christ, mm-hmm. um, and so it is a testament to how well C.S. Lewis wrote the character because he wrote the character capturing so much of the heart of Christ that it does provoke that emotion that you feel like you're hearing the word of the Lord. Yeah. Um, and I will say it's, it's wise that Aslan is such a rare character in the books mm-hmm. because you have to be very deliberate. If you're going to put words in the mouth of like Christ the mouth mm-hmm. of Jesus, you really got to be careful and deliberate of which words you choose. Yeah. Um, and I think C.S. Lewis does that well. But so when he speaks, mm-hmm. you listen. Yep. That's true. Yeah, we were talking about how, yeah, the way Lewis writes uh, Aslan is really good. Because in, in, I think, practically all the books, if not all, he comes in halfway or towards the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, for the most of the story, people have been talking about him. Right. And so there's like a mystique about them. And I think they're also just that when you when you're not just told from the narrator about character, but when you hear other characters talking about a character, it, mm-hmm. it uh, gives a extra patina of reality or right. um, 
and or I think you could just use the word glory. You know, I think. Well, in Aslan's case, yeah, glory. Right. Um, and yeah, and the and one of my big takeaways from the Horseness Boy has always been how Aslan says to the characters, "I don't tell anyone's story but their own." Yeah. And yeah, when that was on stage and they were performing that, it was uh, impactful and meaningful. Very, and I definitely think that. Um, one of the one of the um, big takeaways I had was that um, like this story was about Aslan and and so mm-hmm. was um, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. It's mm-hmm. about Aslan and mm-hmm. you're watching the how the lives of everyone else actually tells mm-hmm. the story of what Aslan's doing. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Which again is very reflective of the Christian walk of how our lives are actually telling the story of Christ yeah. and his glory. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, we could keep talking about it, and but we will go ahead and uh, wrap it up now. And again, we, we just had so much fun. Yes. Yeah. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. The the play was fantastic. Everyone involved with it was great. And we also enjoyed just going to the Museum of the Bible before the before the show. Oh yeah. And there's uh I think during the, the the span of the play, the the museum also has a special exhibit on science and scripture, which we really enjoyed. Very. And uh, learned a lot. Um, and then, yeah, just the rest of the museum is, is fantastic. So definitely recommend that you also make time to, to see, see the museum. Now, just FYI, the, the tickets for the show do not get you into the museum. You have to buy those separately. Right. So keep that in mind. But uh, that being said, we do. They were as we were leaving the the theater yesterday. They were handing out uh, coupons for the uh, or special discount offers for for the show. So we'll I'll go ahead and uh, share those with uh, with you all. Uh, this is for twenty five percent off uh, future uh, the Horses Boy shows. They use promo code Shasta, S H A S T A, and then. For uh, 25% off museum admission, you use Narnia25, N-A-R-N-I-A-25. So definitely, if you can make it down to D.C. between January 20th and March 4th, definitely recommend you check out the, the play and uh, the museum. So, And as we've said for the last four podcasts, we will be doing the four loves next. Yep. So that will actually be the next podcast coming to you shortly. Cool. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks uh, everyone for joining this, joining us on this leg of our journey, and uh, we will see you next time. See you then.